Does COVID have you feeling stalled at work? Cornell ILR Professional Education can help you get back on the road to career growth. Visit discover.ilr.cornell.edu to get started. Work is all around us. It defines us. The future of work impacts nearly every person on our planet, and the ILR School at Cornell University is influencing policy and practice around the world. In this episode of Work, Exploring the Future of Work, Labor, and Employment, Dean Alex Colvin speaks with Tanuja Gupta, one of the original organizers of Googlers for Ending Force Arbitration. Well, thanks for joining us today, Tanuja. Uh, I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to talk to us and help our listeners learn a little about what happened with Google's Against Forced Arbitration, which is, it's a pretty interesting organization to have formed around an issue that was pretty obscure until recently. I mean, I was started researching this area maybe 20 years ago, and for a long time, it seemed like one of these super obscure academic topics that nobody in the general public really cared about. For the last few years, this is this has really turned around and become a big thing that people are talking about and paying attention to. So I was curious uh, for yourself, when did you first become aware of this as an issue? I think a lot of the awareness around arbitration did grow with the Me Too movement recently. I remember Samantha B yeah. did... Uh, an episode when Gretchen Carlson had come out with her accusations and talking about how arbitration worked. And I turned to my husband who is a lawyer yeah. and I'm asking him, I was like, how could this be possible? And he just like, I, I didn't invent this. So uh, <laughs> you go down the rabbit hole after you hear that and you realize you're under that agreement. Most people are as well. Yeah. And then yeah. I think all the math starts to add up of why you haven't heard more about certain issues. It's because they've been scuttled into arbitration. Yeah, it is really interesting that part of the effect is that you just don't hear about stuff, right? It's almost like the dog that didn't bark. You'd expect to see more attention to something, but this actually gives less attention to it. And that makes it go underneath the radar in a way that takes takes longer to, to pay attention to. So you hear about this issue, right? You start becoming aware of it. And then how does this then become a thing at Google? And, and how do Googlers end up paying attention to this? Yeah, if you cycle back to about October 2018, so just put your mind back there, you know, the Kavanaugh yep. hearings were happening at that right. time as well. An article came out about how Father of Android, uh, as he's called, one of the lead developers, Andy Rubin, received a $90 million payout to leave the company quietly when it turned out there were multiple credible allegations of sexual misconduct filed against him. And I think everybody just heard that and like something about the zeitgeist at the moment exploded, mm -hmm. right? Everything had just been building and the elections, the midterms were the following week yeah. or so. And we knew we had a moment to raise attention and awareness about this issue. And it was just this kind of swarm started to form around how do we stop this once and for all? This is not the first person. I think if you were at the company, you felt this growing sentiment already. And yeah. this was just the straw that broke the camel's back. And people just started coming together saying, you know, we're going to hold a walkout. And city by city, people started organizing logistics. But the key difference was, we want a set of tangible actions coming out of this. This can't yeah. just be we're angry. 
And so we put together a list of demands. It was crowdsourced by hundreds of people in a Google Doc, not to sound yeah. like a Google <laughs> uh, And the first thing was ending the policy of mandatory arbitration. Yeah. And yeah. we asked for it to end across the board for not just sexual harassment, but also for racial discrimination, retaliation, uh, wrongful termination. But the company only ended it for individual cases of sexual harassment. So yeah. narrow, ridiculous, because you can't tease out the differences a lot of the times, um, as you well know. And so we kind of got this hollow change but the company took a victory lap in the press. And right, right. we had to, now we had even more work, right? We had to go back and erase the myth that Google had fixed the problem. And we had to remind people what the original issue was to fix. And so we, as a, a group of us, kind of broke out from the larger walkout group to yeah. focus on this issue. Because I think it's really a gateway issue. You know, you mm -hmm. can't talk about structural inequity or, you know, issues of um, diverse hiring slates if you don't even know your numbers to understand like what your offenses are and how you've handled claims to date. And so that's why we took up that issue as, as our main focus. Yeah, I think that's a really important point that you don't actually know what all the issues are unless you can get them out of the table, right? So if you have something structurally that keeps the issue from being expressed, you, know, you don't even know what's going on and what it is. You mentioned like, you know, sexual harassment being the focus. But, you know, there's kind of a couple of things that instantly jump into mind. Well, okay, if it's not okay for sexual harassment, does that mean it's okay for racial harassment, right? Or, uh, you know, somebody with disabilities. And then also just that question of, you know, what exactly is going on in the workplace, right? That somebody could be sexually harassed, but, you know, maybe there's other stuff going on that needs to be addressed as well. And you, you literally won't know if it's not put on the table. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. So, so it's interesting you're talking about how your how the group kind of formed out of the walkouts. You know, can you talk a little about you know how it was trying to organize a group around this issue? Because this isn't your regular job, right? You're doing this on top of you know your work. And I my understanding is Googlers work pretty hard. Like it's a pretty <laughs> tough job you have, right? So, so how do you go about organizing organizing a group around a, an issue? So by day, I'm a program manager on the search engineering team. And so in a lot of ways, you just take the skills that you use to organize an engineering team yeah. and use them to organize a group around a, a social issue like this one yeah. or a legal issue like this one. So it was a lot of kind of understanding all your different stakeholders, what they're in it to do and accomplish, mm -hmm. understanding your resource strengths. So we have someone who's really good at... Uh, we have someone who's really good at analyzing large sets of data. We have another person who's really good at outreach, right? And so I, I tried to find any similarity to my current job to take those skills and apply them and bring people together. Also similar to work, a lot of us were across the country. You know, to yeah. this day, I've still never met two of the organizers that I've worked with day in and day out for over a year in person because um, we're just scattered across the country. But it's also kind of great. I mean, we have people in Washington, California, yeah. uh, Massachusetts, New York coming together around this issue because we are all affected. So we started to think like, how would we tackle this if this was our product to launch? Yeah. Right? Yeah. It was really yeah. starting to think about, okay, well, what would we do? We would define kind of what's the PRD or the product requirements documents. We said like, here are the things yeah. that we want. What's, what's important to get done first? How do we build awareness around it? How do we get more people bought in? 
you know, I think at Google, it's a really large company and you're often kind of working on these concentric circles of consensus, yeah. right? And building waves of momentum. And it was the same thing, working with different activist groups, working with different yeah. employees at different tech companies than other sectors. Then, as you know, kind of going to Congress as well to get lawmakers yeah. on your side and just continuing to chip away at it. Yeah. So that was really interesting. You went with your group down to Washington, D.C. Uh, to do some lobbying. Can you tell us a little about that experience? That must have been kind of wild. I mean, I'm assuming this was your first time lobbying, yeah. right? That was definitely my first time. Um, and then we went six times after that. It was <laughs> fascinating, right? Because if you think about the size of Congress, right, it's it's yeah. like half the size of my graduating class of high school. Right, right. When you, when you think about it and you're like, okay, so now I need to really work like each person kind of has their own trigger points and their um, their own areas that they're looking at, whether it's a business concern, whether it's a civil rights concern, you know, everybody's kind yeah. of... So I think, you know, we did a lot of research before we went of what does this congressperson care about and how do we make arbitration relevant to this person? I was shocks with the amount of chaos that there is yeah. in DC yeah. and just this revolving door of activist group after activist group trying to get five minutes. So that was really interesting. I had no idea that nobody really sits in a hearing the full time or right, right, right. show up. Um, so I was like, Oh, this is just like meetings at our company. So <laughs> I think like once we appreciated that, it was suddenly felt like, everybody's just trying to do their best and yeah. we have just as much a reason to be here and a right to be here as anyone else. And yeah. so I think that gave us a lot more confidence, especially when we started to bring kind of survivors of the process um, or of harassment with us. Yeah. It was just really clear, like this yeah. is the top story, right? Yeah. Um, it yeah, seems like, one of the important things is getting somebody on your side there. And and ironically, you know, in past years, uh, the senator who'd really pushed the issue a lot was Al Franken, who ends up, you know, being brought down by the Me Too movement. But he was like the big champion oh. on forced arbitration, you know, sort of yeah. the big irony there. Uh, who did you, who were you particularly impressed by uh, down there? Who do you think was really responsive or sort of, you know, somebody who who really stood out to you? So Senator Blumenthal from Connecticut has valiantly introduced the Arbitration Fairness Act year after yeah. year after year, right? And then finally got a little bit of a, a marketing bump and now called the FAIR Act and yep. um, got more co-sponsors and simultaneously introduced in the House and the Senate, which was great. So I'm really grateful. Um, Chairman Nadler you know, also took time to really talk about the importance of ending forced arbitration, not just for workers, but for consumers as well. So, you know, they've been great. Uh, Congressman, Congresswoman Bustos has been great. Uh, just lots of Congresswoman Spears, yeah. who was the first person to talk to us when everything was happening. And so super, super grateful. Yeah, that's cool to hear. I mean, sometimes we get kind of cynical about politics and you see the mess of, but, you know, there are people who are working on issues kind of not in the limelight, but really, you know, pushing things over a long period of time, right, to try and really make a difference. So, you know, it is good to to hear those kind of positive stories, too, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And and there were a lot of new people, right? Yeah. Um, Representative uh, Lori, Lori Trahan. Oh, yeah. She was the first term congresswoman and we met with her chief of staff and he simply hadn't heard of the issue or of the bill 
And so you kind of go in being like, why haven't you signed on as a co-sponsor? <laughs> and then you just realize they haven't heard of the bill, heard of it, you know, yeah. and then we got an email the next day. Thanks for meeting with us. Uh, she's on the bill. Wow. Right? And so it's, I think sometimes we think things are malicious and it's really just, they haven't gotten to it or they haven't heard of it. And yeah. there's a million things on the plate. Yeah, it's cool when you can actually make a difference. I mean, you you guys seem like you did make a difference at Google, right? You got some changes there, so you got some responsiveness there. Uh, why why do you think you were able to make a difference there? What was the key things that helped make a breakthrough? You know, I think only the the legal team at Google will ever be able to officially answer that question. Right. But I will note that we did our best to make this about the issue, not just being kind of angry at the man type of campaigning, right. but more about, hey, I think there's some misinformation being spread about this practice. Let us help uh, debunk those myths. And so using materials such as yours that right. were published in EPI, right? Yeah. We held town halls. We brought in experts like you to have a panel to educate coworkers. Um, we requested one-on-one meetings with the executives as well. It wasn't like, let's just rail against them. It was asking for, hey, we'd love to talk to you about this. Yeah. Uh, and when we launched the campaigns on social media, it was about stories. It Again, it wasn't about why Google is a bad, bad place to work. It was about why this practice is unfair and that we believe our company should be a leader. Yeah. And yeah. here's a way to lead. Yeah, I have to say I was really impressed when you had me and some of the other academics in that, you know, we had like a panel discussion and really kind of delved into the issue, um, you know, and, and tried to kind of provide some real information there. You know, it was very different from, you know, as you say, it just sort of attacked the man thing. It was like, okay, they're trying to do a process of educating people about this issue and trying to understand, look, okay, why, why are people upset about this? What why do they feel it interferes with their rights, uh, bringing, bringing their concerns forward? And there was genuine interest. I mean, 800 people tuned into that panel over yeah. lunch, right? So, yeah, yeah. And that was just something that was relatively quickly put together. So I think people generally wanted to understand yeah. the impact. So uh, it was one of the weirder panels I've been on, I'll say, because we were in this beautiful room. It was like on a TED Talk type stage and there was nobody in the room. And I was thinking like, this is so weird. And then somebody's like, oh, no, there's like 800 people watching. You know, they're just not here. So you have made some changes, but you were also, I know, still trying to campaign to get Google to get its contractors to end the practice. Why is that important? Well, about 54% of our workforce is actually a temp vendor contractor, right? So over right. half of the people that you see in the halls or that are making this company run are not actually full-time employees of Google. And we work with a number of different vendors and services, and some of those have certain types of labor that are unionized and others don't. Yeah. So. If you're part of a union, that's a very different ballgame and you do have collective bargaining rights. Those are not the people that we're necessarily concerned yeah, about. Yeah, right. Right. It's it's for those who don't. And say, for example, everybody who works in our cafes, right, yeah. through Bon Appetit yeah. uh, Management, they are forced to sign arbitration agreements. And so maybe Google's not forcing them into arbitration, but the company that is supplying those workers to Google is forcing them to sign an arbitration. And we both know that the people most susceptible to discrimination and harassment are going to be 
in jobs that are not necessarily front of house or knowledge worker jobs, right. it's these other areas of labor. And so I think it would be incredibly hypocritical of us as full-time Googlers to say, you know, we got hours, we're done when the whole point is to make sure that the most vulnerable people are not subject to arbitration. So that's why we're still fighting for it. And we've gotten the runaround from leadership of how we can't interfere with labor practices by our temp vendor contractor suppliers. But I think a company as strong as Google should be able to take a moral lead. And I'm pretty sure others would follow. And so that's what we hope will change. Yeah, I think that's a really powerful argument. I mean, I think it's like, you know, also recognizing that, you know, you know, you're working at Google, one of the most desirable companies to work at in the world. You know, I'm a Ivy League tenured professor, right? You know, I mean, we have concerns, but, you know, remembering that, you know, there's enormous swaths of the workforce in these kind of more vulnerable positions that tend to be the people who are subject to harassment, discrimination more often and, and really need their rights protected. You and I are not the faces of arbitration. It's it's more likely a, a black woman who's making, you know, 13 to $14 an yeah. hour. So after kind of a couple of years working on this issue and, and uh, making this organization, I think really an interesting kind of success story. What lessons do you have that you can take away that maybe to give to people at other companies or working on other issues that you've learned from this experience uh, that might be useful for them? Ooh, what lessons? I think a handful One would be to not expect quick wins, right? And I think really understanding what your risk profile is, the people that you're organizing with, are you on the same page in terms of how far you're willing to go, how long you're willing to be in this, and that you're working on this not from a place of anger necessarily, but from a a vision of what the future can be. Um, Because I think sometimes anger essentially runs out (laughs) and it has to be driven by something else. So that's one thing I would say. The second thing would be, you know, for a long haul, like people will tag in and tag out. And I think it requires all of us being okay with that. You know, we had certain people that said, I I just can't participate this month. You know, I, I am responsible for my kid this month. You know, she's not with her dad. And like, that doesn't mean you can't work on this anymore. We'll see you when you come back. Right. And so I found that to be another thing that when you're organizing with your coworkers, that's okay. Don't take that as a sign of something falling apart. And I think like the third thing would just be, there's going to be days where you feel like this is all pointless and, (laughs) and just kind of hold on because you'll get to the point where it felt like it was all worth it as well. So clarity of mission, keeping that really succinct and, and kind of narrow to the thing that you're trying to do, hanging on through when there's no press attention or anything, because you know, you're trying to get to something that uh, will eventually do good for people. Those are the things that I would take away. Yeah, I think that's a great message. Uh, you know, the reality is, you know, the world doesn't like, you know, turn on a dime. But if you know, you're really committed to an issue, you really work at it, you can make a difference. Um, and I think that's a pretty inspiring message. Well, thanks so much for uh, talking to us. You know, really appreciated the conversation and uh, good luck with the organization. I think you're doing uh, great work and uh, it's, it's an inspiring organization. So uh, thank you so much. much. And if, if I haven't said it enough, thank you, thank you, thank you for guiding us along the way and helping us understand all these crazy legal jargon and cases along the way as well. It's been incredible. Thank you for listening to Work. You can subscribe to our podcast at work.ilr.cornell.edu or on iTunes. 
Do you have a recommendation for a guest or a topic to be discussed on a future episode? Just click on the link in the show notes of this episode and leave your suggestion. Again, thank you for listening.